Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. I'm your host, Aaron Zober, covering lifestyles in the world of real food. July is a month celebrating one of my favorite foods since I was a child. I'm talking, of course, about National Pickle Month. It's celebrated in July when cucumbers are in season. Here to talk with me about everything pickles is Chris Glab, Chief Innovation Officer of Fermented Food Holdings, which includes the Bubby's brand of fermented pickles. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. It's really exciting and looking forward to celebrating National Pickle Month. Yes, me too. And I'm thrilled to have you here because I know you have a lot going on with the summer. So I appreciate that you can take the time out and come on here in this most important month. (laughs) Great. So how were you first introduced to fermented foods? So I grew up in Baltimore in a traditional Polish family where sauerkraut and pickles were really a staple. I remember going to my grandparents' house and, you know, you could smell the sauerkraut, you could nosh on the pickles, and it was just a part of my upbringing. Also in Baltimore, as in larger cities on the East Coast, we had some just fantastic Jewish delis. And it was a real treat for us on the weekends to visit some of those traditional Jewish delis and have corned beef sandwiches, pastrami sandwiches, and of course, the naturally fermented sauerkraut, and of course, kosher dill pickles. I know what it's like growing up with all of that, too. I had the privilege of that as well with real fermented pickles. So when I say I love pickles since I was a child, I mean the real ones, not the pasteurized pickles that you find on the shelves in the supermarket. I was fortunate that we lived in Cleveland. There was a pickles made, and in fact, some of the Members of the company belong to our temple, so yeah, I completely relate. And that taste buds are tied directly to memory and taste and smell, and that's what a real pickle is. You can smell it, you can taste it. When you have a real pickle, you can tell the difference between that naturally fermented pickle and some of the cheaper ones, let's just say. Oh, absolutely. It's a very different thing, and yeah, I first realized then how there was a difference from pickles going to college in a smaller town where they didn't have the real fermented pickle at that time, and Oh, big difference. (laughs) Huge, yes. So then, how did you turn your love of fermented foods, sauerkraut, pickles, and other ferments into natural CPG? Well, as kids grow up, as you know, we kind of drift away from things in our upbringing, but we always come back to them. But the one thing for sure, I've always been passionate about food. And so it was that passion for food that brought me into a career in CPG and then came back around and brought me way back to the fermented foods. Out of college, I accepted a job as a brand manager on food brands. I worked as the marketing manager on Hidden Valley Ranch salad dressing, Casey Masterpiece barbecue sauce, Spice Islands spices, turkey and French spices, and sauce and gravy mixes. I did that from 84 to 89. I always had this entrepreneurial bent. It was brewing all along, but in 89, I started to step out with a business partner of mine, Eric Goldberg, and we formed our first company called G&G Foods. And we started from scratch, and we grew that company from zero to a company that processed probably about five to 10 million pounds of agricultural products a year 
in making things like hummus, dips, spreads, salsas, prepared foods. And this was in 89 till about 2006 when we sold that company. But in that period, we really learned a lot. I turned that passion and that avocation into a business and understand all aspects of that. And what was great about it, it was a time when, and I'll talk about this a little bit, the food business has changed quite a bit through the 1900s, and it seems like it's changing even faster. But in that time when we started that company, organic and natural was really starting to explode. So not only were we making and selling and marketing hummuses and dips and spreads and salsas and prepared foods, we're also evolving with the market as the market wanted less processing, no preservatives, natural and organic. As I said, in 2006, we sold that company. We had a bit of a hiatus in 2007 to 2011. I'm into food, I'm into all aspects of food, growing food, cooking food, eating food, and I love gardening. I just wanted to be a better gardener. From 2007 to 2011, I went to school for sustainable agriculture and got a degree in that just because I wanted to be a better gardener. As it turned out, my business partner and myself again started another company in 2011. That company was called Wild Brine. It's interesting because that company brought together many aspects from my past. The love of fermented foods, CPG, how to run a company. And in this company, we did fermented foods. We were a manufacturer of sauerkrauts, pickles, srirachas, even fermented salsas. That was started in 2011, and we grew that to a company that was basically processing about 10 million pounds of agricultural products a year. And we sold that in 2021 to a company called Fermented Food Holdings, where I reside today as the chief innovation officer. Wonderful. I love that story. So gone through a lot of different areas of the natural CPG world. When you started, would you have seen yourself eventually going into fermented foods? No, not at all. It's not like I had a vision to do that. We just saw an opportunity to make those kind of products the way historically they've been made, to make those the right way. And it was a time when the market was taking off, when the consumers wanted less processing. They wanted foods that were good for you, foods as medicine. The whole probiotic element of fermented foods was taken off. And so a lot of things came together for us to go down the path of making those kind of products. Yes, and you had talked about how you had made both sauerkraut and pickles. So there's definitely a big market for sauerkraut. I think for the lacto-fermented pickles, there isn't as much. Do you see room for growth with real pickles? I really do. I think the way you pose that question is exactly right. For some reason, it's happened. The move towards real fermented sauerkraut has happened sooner than real fermented pickles. I think a reason for that is to ferment a pickle is a lot more difficult to do than it is to ferment sauerkraut. So there's a lot of small companies that got into fermented sauerkraut. Fermenting pickles is really, really tricky. It's got a fair amount of art to it and a fair amount of science to it. But I do think that things have drifted away from fermented pickles, but the market is coming back to it. And it's because today's consumer is really knowledgeable. They realize that a fermented product is much better for you than a citified product or a pasteurized product. They understand all the health benefits of more bioavailability in that fermented pickle. They understand the health benefits of the probiotics. And they want simplicity in their foods. They want their foods to be made the way they were traditionally were. The pickles in your hometown of Cleveland probably were able to pick right out of the pickle barrel, just the freshest, the most tart, the most crunchy pickle you could ever have. But 
because pickles are harder to ferment and there's fewer companies doing it, I think the fermented pickle has been slower to come back to the growth, but we're really starting to see it now. We get more exposure to our product in the market as we do flavor variations on those pickles and really opening up the market. But I think today's knowledgeable consumers coming back is a little bit of back to the future, the basically a real food product, like a real pickle. We are seeing more of it as I've been writing every year for National Pickle Month, my article on best real pickles. And as it's been going on, I've had more additions. So I agree. And you're also 100% correct that it is a harder ferment than sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is very basic when chopping up the cabbage and just squeezing it. And basically that's the process of how you ferment sauerkraut. Just a couple steps. Pickles involves a number of ingredients and you have to be careful also with the right salt. I mean, anyone that I talk to that's written books on fermentation and taught these classes, they've said that. So I can see that we start with something easy, such as sauerkraut, and then we go to pickles. What do you see as the key to producing high-quality fermented pickles? Well, this kind of gets to exactly what you're saying. Cucumbers are more difficult to pickle, and I'll go a little bit down this rabbit hole, but we'll try to not go too far. You've got the thick skin on the pickle, which is hard to penetrate and extract the moisture from the inner part of the pickle, that in when the moisture comes out of that pickle, it feeds the microorganisms that do the fermentation. The sauerkraut, you've got a lot of surface area, you've got a tender product, it's all chopped up. It's a lot easier to ferment with a pickle. You gotta get through that thick skin of sorts. So you want really fresh cucumbers. Cucumbers are not nearly as sturdy as cabbage and they'll go bad fast once you pick them. So you want the freshest cucumbers you can get so that they'll retain their texture and they'll have that great probiotic microorganism content on the surface and inside the pickle that you can then use to ferment the cucumber to make the pickle. You want the freshest possible herbs and spices like dill and garlic. Again, not only because you want the right organisms on there, you want them to be healthy and robust, you also want the best possible flavor that hasn't started to turn. And then you want top quality spices in a pickle, you use fresh spices like dill and garlic, but you also use dried spices like mustard seed, peppers, bay leaf, coriander, so forth and so on. But they've got to be top quality and they've got to be relatively fresh. As you probably know, we see that ourselves as you buy a spice and you put it in your spice cabinet. A lot of spices, we don't use the whole jar. It may take us five years to come back to it five years later, and it doesn't have nearly the flavor that it did when you first bought it. So you want your spices to be as fresh as possible, just like the dill and garlic and just like the cucumbers. Wonderful. That gives me a good sense of how you make tasty, real pickles. So we have pickles, we have cucumbers. Do you think people are more interested in real fermented foods in general? Well, I could go on about this, but I do think there's a lot of history to this. And we've seen the market change dramatically. And what happened in my mind was the industrial revolution of the mid 70s and the mid 80s and paved the way for the food industrial revolution. Prior to that, food was expensive, food was hard to come by. But in the food industrial revolution, a lot of companies got into this and wanted to do it on a much bigger scale to be able to get products to market more cheaply, to bring an abundance of products to market. And it really fed the nation through the 1900s. But what happened in that, in that quest to make food cheaper and more approachable and more abundant, there were some steps taken to do that that were tied to processing and over-processing and a cheap way to do things. One of the things that was done during that time period was that the pickle transitioned a little bit from a traditional fermented pickle because it's hard to make, because sometimes it doesn't come out right. You have to make sure that it does come out right. And the ones that don't come out right aren't the ones that you sell. And because it takes a lot of time. 
So what happened during this time period is pickle manufacturers converted to making pickles a cheaper and easier way using vinegar. I'll make sort of a long story short, but one of the things that preserves pickles is acid. When you ferment, it takes weeks, if not a month, for the fermentation to drive the acid down so that that acid then preserves the product. So to make a fermented pickle, it could take up to 30 days or even more, depending on the conditions. When you take that food industrial revolution shortcut, you can mix cucumbers with vinegar and the spices, and almost immediately it's acidified. You don't have to wait for mother nature and microorganisms to do the job of bringing the acid level down. You can make it and you can literally ship the product, consume the product the next day. So in that food industrial revolution, I think the appeal of cheap food is what drove people. But now people are coming around and say, wait a minute, I want to know where my food comes from. I want the food of my childhood. I want food that's not overprocessed. So we've seen a lot of foods come back to the basics. Think of coffee. We think about our parents and our parents' parents, coffee came in a can. Well, today you can get top quality coffee beans at the store down the street, and they're nothing like the coffee in the can. Think about products like cheeses. Cheeses for years, they're fantastic aged cheeses, but in the food industrial revolution, cheeses were made so that they could be meltable, that they could be cheap, and everybody could buy those cheeses. Well, we've seen cheeses come back around to artisan cheeses. We've seen coffee come back around to just premium artisan coffees, and we're seeing that with pickles. We're seeing consumers wanting more of the real deal, the fermented pickle, the pickle of their childhood, and the pickle that's healthier for them. And the basic Bubby's pickles, they don't use any vinegar at all. They just use water and salt and a couple other ingredients. I know some of your pickles, they do have vinegar, but do you first do the full fermentation process and then add vinegar later just as part of the flavor? So I'm glad you brought that up. Our flagship products do not use vinegar. So a fermented product, like our whole kosher dills, our spicy kosher dills, our sauerkraut, do not use vinegar. When you see vinegar used in some of our products, it's because it's a different kind of product, like a sweet bread and butter chip. If you try to do a fermented sweet product, the sugar that you put in there, it's going to have yeast do the work to convert it to alcohol. So you will not see on the market a fermented sweet pickle. Virtually every sweet pickle is a vinegar acidified pickle, which is then also processed via some heat treatment to make sure that it doesn't turn south from yeast doing that work, again, to convert the sugars to alcohol. So the reason that we use vinegars, we use vinegar in a product, if it has a sugar content, that might cause a fermentation to go in the wrong direction, so therefore you can't ferment it. So you'll find our vinegar in our bread and butter pickles. Is there still some fermentation process beginning before the vinegar is added? You'll see some products on the market, there's sort of a continuum of full fermentation, half sour fermentation, partial fermentation. There probably are some manufacturers out there who do some level of fermentation and then add some vinegar to further preserve and then maybe even cook the products. There's many products that are done in many different ways, but a lot of times vinegar is used as a way to make sure that the product doesn't do a wrong kind of fermentation because of the wrong kind of ingredients there for fermentation. You come back to it, you think about a fermented kosher dill. A kosher dill has no sugar in it. There are no sugars in it, no added sugars at all. And so therefore it can ferment in the right way because the organisms you want to do the fermentation, lactobacillus, thrive on the starches in those vegetables. If there were sugars in there, you would get the wrong organisms doing the fermentation and it would go south. It would not taste good, it would not smell good. So there is some vinegar in some products, but it's in products that will not ferment the right way. Gotcha. And I know that your different labels at Fermented Food Holdings, you have organic and natural, and certainly pride yourself on that. So 
What do you see as the ingredients needed to produce natural pickles? Well, all natural and real ingredients. Really what it comes down to is if you were going to make a pickle in your kitchen, what would you use? Right? You would use garlic, you would use dill, you would use the fresh cucumbers, you'd go to your spice cabinet and get out the whole black peppercorns and the bay leaf. So really just real ingredients to keep it a natural product. And are there any ingredients that you think could be avoided that aren't needed when making pickles that say other companies use? Yeah, you'll see other companies use preservatives. And what the reason they use those preservatives is to stop any sort of boilage, stop any sort of further fermentation, things like potassium sorbate, and sodium benzoate are the kind of things that you'll find in some other products, but not in anybody's product at all. Again, and I'll go back to what I talked about the food industrial revolution. Those were ingredients that were used during that period of time so that you could make a product, you could put it on a grocery shelf at room temperature, and the product would be bulletproof for a year, two years, maybe even more. The good news for the food industrial revolution manufacturers was that it would last that long and it would be profitable for their business. The bad news for the consumer is there's non-natural products in there, those preservatives. But we do not use any preservatives at all, and you will find some preservatives in some products, particularly the, the shelf-stable products you find in the middle of the grocery store that do last that one year, two years, that you can put in your pantry and don't have to worry about it being refrigerated. I know you touched upon a little earlier about other types of pickles that you make. Let's go into a little more detail with the different line of pickles available from Bubby's. Okay, so I'll focus first on our flagship, which are fermented items. Our whole kosher dills, our spicy kosher dills, our small, we call them mini kosher dills, our naturally fermented sauerkraut, and our spicy fermented sauerkraut. Those are really our flagship items, and those are all naturally fermented with real produce, real ingredients, like all our Bubby's products, using the real ingredients. We also have our line of bread and butter pickles, which are the number one bread and butter pickle in natural and organic channel in the refrigerated set. Just a fantastic bread and butter pickle. I recently developed and we're in the process of introducing some new flavors here. While we have our standard bread and butter pickle, we have a new spicy Fresno bread and butter pickle, a apple ginger bread and butter pickle, and a horseradish bread and butter pickle. So we're pretty excited about those products. We're really happy the way they turned out in the product development process. And we're getting a great reception to them as we start to present them to the market. And then we round out our line. As you could hear all this stuff, you can see it's all things that you could envision coming out of Bubby's kitchen. If you have that image of Bubby as that Jewish grandma, she wants to feed you and she makes this an abundance of great food right there in her kitchen. So we round out those products, those pickles and sauerkrauts, with other things you would expect to come from Bubby's Kitchen, like our horseradish, our beet horseradish. We do also then have a kosher dill relish, and then we have a new bread and butter relish. So that today is the Bubby's line. Having said that, I think look for a lot more to come from Bubby's in the future. We see the growth of our product. We see the demand for our product, and there's a demand for other types of product from the Bubby's Kitchen. Yes, and lots of my favorites across the Bubby's line, from your pickles to sauerkraut to horseradish. Of course, I love the original, the fermented, but also the spicy pickles are amazing. And I love your horseradish, and actually, that's the horseradish that I use on Passover. I was thinking of you as I had my Passover Seder this year, and I got the Bubby's horseradish. Well, great. Thank you for that. Yes, so those are currently the three areas the Bubby's are in. Could you see it expanding to other types of ferments? I definitely can, and it's one of the reasons I am in 
fermented food holdings today and I hold the position of chief innovation officer. I started, as I mentioned earlier, with my business partner ran Wild Brine and Wild Brine was all about innovation, making a sriracha from 100% produce, making fermented salsas. We built Wild Brine on innovation. In fermented food holdings, I am in charge of new product development across all our brands. Bubby's is just a fantastic brand because it's got such a great heritage, it's got such a great following, but has not done a lot of innovation over the years, and that's what my charge is today. As I mentioned earlier, in the past year, we've introduced the three new flavors of bread and butter pickles, the spicy fresno, the apple ginger, and the horseradish. We've introduced a new bread and butter relish, and there's a lot of other things in the hopper that I'm working on, but let me turn it back to you, Aaron, what kind of things would you like to see coming from Bubby's Kitchen since you're such a fan of fermented foods? And thankfully for us, consumer Bubby's products, we appreciate that. But what would you like to see us do? I would say the first thing that comes to mind is actually a hybrid of two of the things you do, the pickles and the sauerkraut, and make a sauerkraut with pickles in it. Yeah, we do do that actually in fermented food holdings under our Wild Brine brand. We are actually introducing that right now. We call it Cabbage and Cukes, and it's fully fermented. So it's funny that you say that. We are introducing that right now under our Wild Brine brand. Oh, it sounds great. Well, I look forward to trying that as a fermented foods consumer. Another one I'd be interested in would be gut shots. Yeah, that's interesting because do you keep it as narrow as and you see them on the market today, pickle shots, or do you take the fermented base flavor and turn it into a shot that is just sort of a health benefit focus, or to turn it into a ready-to-drink beverage, almost like a savory kombucha. But you're right, there are great products that you can do on that side, and there are some that are out on the market today. There are many other places that that can go with fermentation delivering the flavor that it can deliver, but also to deliver the health benefits that it can deliver. And I'll comment on that a little bit. Bubby's and Fermented Food Holdings is all about flavor first. At the end of the day, any product is food, and it's got to taste great for somebody to pick it up, buy it, and eat it. A very close benefit to that, and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, you need both, it also has to be healthy. But I don't think for Bubbies or for any of our products that we want to take a strictly health positioning that you would see in a health store. We're food first, but we're food plus health and we're food as medicine, but it's got to taste good. Oh, I agree totally. And I do like the shot element of it, and I like to add in other flavors. I mean, one of my favorite types of gotchats is I like the one with the spicy peppers, like the jalapenos and other peppers. I have a high tolerance for spice, as you can probably tell, that I know that sometimes my definition of what's not spicy is different than other people's. Well, spicy is one of those things that's just like smoky in foods where every person is an individual preference and somebody's going to say, this is spicy, really spicy, I can't eat it. Somebody else is going to say, that's not spicy enough. You think of Bubby's Kitchen and things that could come out of Bubby's Kitchen. And while there are other fermented things we could do, we're certainly going to work on some savory flavors. We've gotten the demand for the Bubby's pickles and say, wait, why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? So you'll see us coming out with other flavors of the Bubby's fermented your dill products. But you think of Bubby's Kitchen and all the things that might come out of a Bubby's Kitchen and some of them aren't necessarily fermented. But you could see a borscht, you could see salad dressings, particularly, you know, traditional Jewish deli type salad dressings like a Russian. So there are other pickle items we're working on, other sauerkraut items we're working on, other items that fit traditionally in a Bubby's fermented way, but other things that might logically come out of Bubby's Kitchen, but maybe aren't necessarily 
fermented, or maybe the flavor comes from fermentation. You think about fermentation and what it can do, it really can develop this well-rounded, unique umami flavor. Well, think about carrying that flavor over to all these other categories I just talked about. So fermentation has a lot, a lot of potential. And we have to think outside the box of just really traditional, these are the fermented foods, pickles, sauerkraut, kimchi, and where can we take those things? And you're seeing a lot of companies do that today too. You're seeing fermented plant-based cheeses. You're seeing fermentation taking to other proteins for vegans to be able to get a plant-based protein, but now fermented, they get the flavor, they get the benefit of the protein itself and then the fermentation. But fermentation has just a huge place that it can go. And I think you're going to see us do that in the buddy line. And you've talked a little about Wild Brine, which you and Rick founded. Tell us about some of the other products that Wild Brine offers. Our Wild Brine line consists of uh, very traditional organic sauerkrauts, like a straight up dill and garlic sauerkraut, like a red beet and red cabbage sauerkraut. We push the envelope on flavor a little bit more with an apple ginger sauerkrauts. We do an Aramean ginger. Aramean is a sea vegetable. We are also right now introducing a line of more fusion foods that are still have their basis in fermentation and pickling. We have a banh mi medley. Think of the vegetables that are a condiment on banh mi, the daikon radish, the cucumber, the carrot flavored with lime, cilantro, mint. We're introducing that banh mi medley right now. It's sort of a ready-to-eat salad and or condiment of sorts. We're right now introducing a curtido, which is basically a Latin American coleslaw. Think of coleslaw, but flavored with ginger and crushed red peppers. It's really a great product. We're introducing a pickled red onion. We're introducing an escabeche. And if you go to a Mexican restaurant or a taco stand, a lot of times you'll have that little appetizer there that's a combination of tart carrot coins and jalapenos, anaheims, and onions. And it's a snacking item. We're introducing that. It's called an escabeche. So we're really active on the wild brine side also. We try to develop products on the wild brine side differently than we do on the bubby side. Wild brine has a little more latitude in that it's seen as edgy and fusion foods, and we can approach any cuisine at all. Bubby's, we stay true to, it's got to come out of Bubby's kitchen. It's got to be of her personality, what she would make, and of Bubby's quality. So on both fronts, we have a lot of innovation going on. Yes, and I see that also wild brine covers a variety of different regional ferments. You talked about the Curtido. I know another one you have, and this is a very popular ferment now is kimchi. Yes, that's one of the fastest growing categories in fermented foods. All of our kimchis are vegan, which appeals to a really big segment of the market today. A lot of traditional kimchis might have a protein in there, something like a fish sauce or a dried shrimp. We don't use those. We keep our entire wild brine line vegan. Therefore, our kimchis are vegan. And so we have a traditional Korean type kimchi that uses the Napa cabbage, that uses Korean sea vegetable, the traditional Korean gochugaru peppers. In addition to that, we do a miso horseradish flavored with a little bit of citrus kimchi. And then we have a mild kimchi. And then we've got some more innovation coming on that front also. And then some of our edgier products, as I mentioned, we have fermented salsas. And one of my favorites is the fermented sriracha. It's just a fantastic product. Aaron, you say you like spicy foods. I don't know if you had our sriracha, but the Wellbrine sriracha is just really a fabulous product. Oh, it is. Yes, love it. And in addition to Wild Brine and Bubbies, I know there's a number of other fermented labels under fermented food holdings. Let's talk about some of those. Okay, so Fermented Food Holdings is really three companies that have come together. We've talked about Bubbies because that's the main purpose with National Pickle Month of this podcast. We've talked about Wild Brine, but the other leg to the Fermented Food Holdings 
this is a fantastic company called GLK Foods. GLK Foods is the largest sauerkraut manufacturer in the world. We sell throughout the store, throughout the country, via different brands called Silver Floss, Flanagan, Severne. We also are just really good at making sauerkraut, so we'll make sauerkraut for other people and they'll put it under their labels also. So the whole umbrella of FFH, FFH stands for fermented food holdings, the whole umbrella is fermented foods under GLK, as I just mentioned with those Silver Floss and Flanagan and Severn brands, as well as other brands, Bubby's and Wildbrine. That's the umbrella of our fermented food holdings today. Excellent. So we're just about out of time, but before we go, is there anything else you'd like to let the listeners know about fermented food holdings and fermented foods in general? First off, eat fermented foods. They're fabulous for you. They're going to bring you back to your childhood memories of flavors that maybe you've forgotten. Secondarily, fermented foods are just so healthy for you. They deliver probiotics. They break down the nutrients in a product so that you will get more nutrition out of a fermented product than you would out of the fresh vegetable itself. So for instance, in a pickle, you're going to get more nutrition out of a fermented pickle cucumber than you would a fresh cucumber. So they deliver probiotics, bioavailability of nutrients, and great flavor. At the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, it's all about the taste. It's all about food. If it doesn't taste good, you're not going to eat it. And if it tastes good and it's good for you, then even better. But look for more excitement coming from all the brands that I mentioned, from Bubby's, from Wild Brine. Actually, we've got a variant of Wild Brine coming out called Wild Vine, which is more pickled than it is fermented. But some of the items I mentioned, like the Bon Me and the Cotito on the Wild Vine label, and look for more innovation coming from Severn and Flanagan in particular. But there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming out. Sounds like it. A lot of stuff to look forward to. How soon can we expect this? Well, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we've got the new bread and butter pickles under Bubby's that are being launched right now. We've got the new Bon Me, Curtido, Escobiche, pickled onions being launched under Wild Vine right now. And I think for some of the other brands that I mentioned, you're going to see some more innovation come out as soon as within the next six months, but certainly throughout 2024 and beyond. But it's happening as fast as we can develop the right products that are going to deliver on the top quality flavor and the health that we desire. But we've really become an innovation company. So look for a lot under those brands. I look forward to seeing all of those. Let the listeners know where they can find information online about fermented food holdings and the different labels. Well, you can certainly go to Fermented Food Holdings, but your best option is to go to the website for the brands that I mentioned. Go to the Bubby's website. Go to the Wild Brine website. Go to various brands, Silver Floss, Flanagan, and the GLK website, and you'll find a lot of information there. And what are the addresses for those sites? Well, you know how to say, just type in the word and you're going to find it and it's going to lead you. Type in Wild Brian, you're going to get www.wildbrian. Same thing with Bubbies, same thing with GLK and all those brands. You can also find us on Facebook. But you know how today's access to information is. Just type in even a partial word or spell it wrong and it'll come up. Right, just Google it. Yes. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on this show and kicking off National Pickle Month with you. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. And everybody, get out your National Pickle Month flag and hoist it on the flagpole in front of your house. (laughs) Absolutely. That's all for this episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. New episodes of the show are released every Wednesday. Follow me on social media for more information on the next episode. And to make sure you never miss any of my podcasts, subscribe to The Appropriate Omnivore on your favorite podcast app or site. You can also listen to all my podcasts on my website, appropriateomnivore.com. There you can find recipes from the guests I interview, plus all of my articles covering lifestyles in the world of real food. Until next time, my pantry is officially closed.